WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden today on this Thursday, November 30th. WABC time check 501 right now, sponsored by Boulevard Watches. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Mostly clear this morning around the tri-state. It's cold with the wind chill feeling more like 25 to 30 degrees. And looks like it'll be about as windy today as yesterday, but a bit warmer. Later today, uh, sunny, getting up to 48 degrees. Overnight into Friday, mostly clear, 40 the low. And then tomorrow, Friday, rain is likely in the afternoon, 50 the expected high. A 40% chance of rain on Saturday. 33 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 28 in Dover, New Jersey, 31 in Dix Hills on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So last night, the Rockefeller Center tree was all lit up in time for the holiday season. And when I used to cover that tree lighting in my previous job as a reporter... It was always kind of like, you know, sort of an annoying thing to have to do. It would be cold. My fingers would be numb. I'd be trying to use my laptop and my recorder and all this stuff. You know, it's it's late, so it would be kind of away from my normal hours. And for sure, last night, people that were there taking in that tree lighting talked about they were trying to stay warm. I don't know. I'm freezing right now. Uh, I have three layers on. Layers. Four. It's all about layers. Lots of layers. Four layers, long underwear. With all my layers on. About three shirts, two pants. It sounds like my... Dad talking about going to football games. you got to wear your layers. But there was something about the tree lighting that maybe kind of appreciate the magic of New York City, too, because you're seeing the tourists come in, some of them foreign, talking about how it really meant something to them. They'd watch this on TV for years. You know, when you grow up around here or you spend time working in New York City, you kind of forget maybe what it was like your first time coming in and seeing all the, the sights and sounds of the holiday season. So, you know, you talk to people, and it means a lot to them to see that. Um, even if we here in New York may be taking a little bit for granted. And this guy admits the whole thing with the tree lighting is kind of anticlimactic. It's like five hours, watch 30 seconds, and now I'm like, awesome, I did it. And it does sort of seem like maybe for some people it's just a bucket list thing. They want to say they went to that tree lighting ceremony. And the whole thing with the tree and lighting it, it played sort of somewhat secondary headline to pro-Palestinian protests that unfolded nearby last night as The group within our lifetime had called for the event to be flooded with pro-Palestinian protesters, and they couldn't get to the tree itself in midtown Manhattan, as there are narrow security checkpoints to get into the viewing area. Uh, Having been there as a reporter, they set up those big concrete blocks. You kind of have to go through. The the officers are there. They'll check your... uh, I don't even think you can have a bag. They'll check to make sure you don't have anything you can't have. I don't think they have metal detectors. Maybe they do now. But this pro-Palestinian group gathered near the Fox News building along 6th Avenue. It was around 6 o'clock when they started gathering. At least one person in the crowd had a sign with a swastika on it. Free Palestine, what these people say they're after, a ceasefire as well. And there were reports of people kind of being contained within those metal bollards that they use. Um, I guess at one point, one of those came down. Cops and protesters clashed at times. Some fighting broke out. Arrests were made. Seven people in custody when it was all over, what I was told by police. But it's worth noting that could mean summonses. It could mean criminal charges. Not really clear. Uh, If it was a summons, then it's an appearance ticket for something like disorderly conduct. If any 
you know, protesters were charged with something more serious, like assault or something like that, then maybe they're facing charges. But no injuries for police, by the way, in those skirmishes, or at least nothing significant. And by the way, the tree itself, five miles of lights adorning the 80-foot Norway spruce, now officially eliminated. It was the 91st time they lit up the tree there in Rockefeller Center. The public will be able to view the lit-up tree until midnight every day through the holiday season. And pop star Kelly Clarkson hosted the event and performed on TV for NBC. And it's magical in this city. You can be having the worst day ever, but it's Christmas time here. You just walk around in the lights. Everything makes you feel good. She's selling it a little hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's cool and all, New York and Christmas and that time of year and stuff. But she's selling it a little hard, especially with how cold it was yesterday. I can't imagine too many people were um, comfortable while watching the tree lighting ceremony. And I admitted at the top, you know, with my little Noam Laden style story, the city can be appreciated differently through an outsider's eyes, so to speak. And Clarkson's from Texas. As for the family whose farm provided the Norway spruce that's now all lit up there in Rockefeller Center, they're from Vestal in upstate New York near Binghamton, the family who provided the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, will be using a fake tree this year. What is this, sacrilege? Well, Jackie McGinley, mom for that family up there, she tells the New York Times that she and her family usually chop down their own Christmas tree at a nearby tree farm. But this year, they bought an artificial tree. McGinley says it breaks her heart, but last year she discovered she's allergic to pine. So I had to look this up as someone who has allergies. And uh, long way, wrong way, Lou Rafino will sometimes call me nickel because I have a nickel allergy. I kind of get like eczema if my skin comes into contact with it. Well, pine allergies, what we're talking about with Jackie McGinley, according to the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, a pine tree allergy is relatively uncommon. And there are two main allergens that concern people when it comes to pine trees, pine nuts and pine pollen. Pine nuts, pignoli, the edible seeds you'll come sometimes see on those Christmas cookies. And they'll use it in pesto as well. National Institute of Health says pine tree pollen has long been considered non-allergenic, but 5.6% of the population have a respiratory allergy to it. So McGinley has to use the fake tree and says, despite not having the tree in front of her yard this year, it's still a joy knowing it will be enjoyed by so many. For us to be able to bring joy to millions of people, what a gift. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. This is something I want to ask Joe about later. As early details are out concerning the MTA's final details for its congestion pricing plan. The transit agency is supposed to release the whole thing this afternoon, but somebody leaked parts of it already. For example, it looks like drivers coming into New York City below 60th Street will be billed $15, possibly as soon as this coming spring, and that's on top of whatever was paid at the bridges and tunnels. One thing to note, the proposal does call for a $5 discount for drivers crossing into Manhattan by the way of the Holland, Lincoln, Queens, and Battery Tunnels, but you won't get any discount if you're coming in via the George Washington Bridge, which makes you really wonder, for example, how traffic patterns are about to change, if they will, and maybe we can ask Joe Nolan about that, given his thoughts and expertise. But like with people that drive into lower Manhattan, are they going to be more or less incentivized to go all the way down to the Lincoln or Holland, even if they don't normally, like if you're living in Rockland or Bergen? And as for congestion pricing and what was leaked, more details. If you're hailing a cab, taxi riders will have an additional $1.25 added onto their fare. 
There's similar add-ons for Uber and Lyft, those rideshare apps. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is suing to stop congestion pricing, and he's already put out a statement calling the plan unfair and ill-conceived. The MTA says it's necessary to fund upgrades for the city, including the subway. Back in June of this year, New York Governor Kathy Hochul praised congestion pricing. How about 15 to 20 percent fewer vehicles in the central business district every single day? Less noise, less honking, less gridlock. How about... How about less air pollution, lower carbon emissions, lower speeds, fewer crashes? I don't mind losing that. This is a viable funding source that is going to help us sustain the level of service and even enhance it for commuters who have not yet discovered the ease and the benefit of using trains that may be right there for them. Okay, wait, I have to stop stop that audio for a second because... um... I guess I'm among the commuters who have not yet discovered the ease and joy or whatever she said about taking the train, because it's plenty annoying a lot of the time. And mass transit is not so great. And, um, you know, that's, I think, part of the issue people have is they say, okay, you're going to take all this money in addition to the money you're paying to take the train and take the tunnels and all this kind of stuff. And the MTA says it'll collect around $1 billion to hopefully fund upgrades for the subway. But, um, you know, there's plenty of elected officials, and you heard me talk about Governor Phil Murphy. There's also Congressman Josh Godheimer in New Jersey, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis on Staten Island. They're pushing back against congestion pricing and, you know, calling it unfair, an unfair tax. Hochul continued again back in June. No, it'll work. We saw what happened in places like London and Stockholm where the congestion dropped 10 to 20 percent. So it's an issue that clearly has elected officials on either side of the Hudson River at odds. News that broke late last night out of Connecticut. His is one of the most significant names in American politics and diplomacy. Former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, dead at the age of 100. According to his consulting firm, the former diplomat and political scientist passed away at his home in Connecticut. Kissinger served as National Security Advisor and later as the U.S. Secretary of State under both Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. He earned the Nobel Peace Prize in 1973 for negotiating a ceasefire in Vietnam. That ceasefire didn't hold, and the Vietnam War ended two years later with the fall of Saigon. After he left office, Kissinger was appointed to the boards of various universities, companies, and think tanks. He served as an advisor to many post-Nixon presidents, including Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump. I'm Mark Mayfield. And also yesterday, former First Lady Rosalind Carter was laid to rest. At a funeral in their church in Plains, Jimmy Carter watched from his wheelchair as grandson Josh remembered a doting grandma, a political power, and a friend to those in need. My grandma lived one of the most incredible lives this world has to offer. Son Jack noted his parents' 77-year partnership. Dad got used to mom disagreeing with him. (laughs) Because she was really good at it. And before a motorcade carried Rosalind Carter through planes one last time to her burial plot in view of the family home's front porch, Pastor Tony Loudon said she would not want anyone to grieve her death. Jimmy tried to beat me here. I got here first. (laughs) I've won the prize. Tell him I beat him. And I'm waiting on him. Sagar Magani, Washington. In the Middle East and amid the ongoing conflict that's left thousands dead and led the protests here and abroad, the Israel-Hamas ceasefire has been extended one day as the tenuous pause in fighting continues and enters its sixth day. The pause 
The Israeli military says the temporary ceasefire in Gaza will continue for another day for the process of releasing hostages and subject to the terms of the agreement. President Biden yesterday confirmed that one of the hostages released was an American, an American-Israeli dual national citizen released from Gaza Wednesday, said to be safe. And Biden telling reporters this as he was boarding Air Force One to head home from Colorado, that this individual, she was safe in Egypt and that he had spoke with her mother and father. That's one of 16 hostages released from Gaza yesterday, 10 of which were released in exchange for 30 Palestinian prisoners before the truce between Israel and Hamas was set to expire. Again, uh, it was extended for today, and there continue to be discussions about extending the ceasefire even beyond that, as it was originally a four-day pause that's been bumped out a couple of days here. And yesterday, also, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said his country will continue the fight in Gaza after the ceasefire deal with Hamas comes to an end. So we'll get into what President Biden's campaign has been saying about the issue in Israel and what's going on with Hamas and all that in Gaza. But right now, WABC News Time 515, Justin Ellick, the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning, is ready with our sports report. So, Justin, I wanted to ask you before that, did you happen to see this story mm-hmm. where this Kansas City fan, a kid, I don't know if he's seven, eight, nine years old or something like that, was wearing face paint at the Kansas City Chiefs game? Yeah. And some deadspin reporter... I guess, got the profile photo of this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, his face paint was half, like right down the middle of his face. Like his right. nose. Black, half black and half, half, red, half black right. and half red. You saw this. Yes, I saw it. And he was wearing the headdress as well, complete with the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, good morning to you as well, uh, James. Happy frigid uh, Thursday morning it is, there. It is frigid. It's going to get a little warmer today, by the way. Well, hopefully, hopefully. Better than it was yesterday. Anyway. God, willing. God willing. So, I mean, what but do you yes. think about this, right? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that you're going to pose the, put the photo up of the kid with just the one half of his face. Yeah, that's ridiculous um, in and of itself. Uh, fake news, if you will. But then again, the kid is also native. American, according to his mother. His oh, mother, really? His, yeah, his mother, his mother came out and started defending the kid and said his grandfather's Native American. I think even his dad might be Native American. Wow. And his grandfather is even like on the board of one of these uh, reservations or, or, or however that works. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I don't yeah. want to assume. Native how, American Council right, or something Native like Ameri- that. Right, something like that. So he's actually on, he's one of the he's board members of one of these organizations. So it's not only... Um, part of his, uh, I guess, ethnicity, but it, it's, you know, clearly something that means something to his yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then again, I guess it poses the question, or, or doesn't pose a question, but I guess it debunks the whole thing, like, uh, that these names are, are, are offensive in some way to these Native American Well, yeah, tribes. that opens up the whole other can of worms. Of course with... it does. Of course it does. And then, the, you know, of course there's the question, when is uh, when is too old to be wearing face paint? I mean, how, how old is oh, this kid? that's a good question. I would say I... if he's if he's older than 12 or 13, then it's time to take the face paint off. Okay, so you don't get down with, like, the Raiders fans who do that? No, the... no, I don't get down. I don't, I'm don't. i an Eagles fan. I don't get down with the Eagles fans that do that. You know, I would think, like, you go to you go to bar mitzvahs, you go to, you, like, like, I grew up going to bar mitzvahs and bar yeah. mitzvahs. So you go to these things, you get your face paint. I think that, okay. that's the age where I would cut it off. That's, that, that th- makes that's, sense. Th- that's 13. You know? Okay, I like that. That's so. that's 13. We're cutting it off. We're cutting off the face paint. Right, there. once you're okay. a man according to the Torah. All right, well, yeah, good. That That's <laughs> a good standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so please uh, carry on with your traditional sports report. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, James. It's on the ice at the Garden, that's where we'll start. Jimmy VC scored the tie-breaking goal late in the third period to cap off a Rangers rally that beat the Detroit Red Wings 3-2. to Keandre Miller had a goal and an assist. Artemi Panarin also scored, and Alexi Lafreniere had two assists for New York, who scored. 
scored twice in the uh, third period to avoid losing consecutive games for the first time this season. Tender Igor Shosturkin finished with 26 saves, and the Rangers improved to 16-4-1 with the victory. Tops in the NHL in wins and points with 33. Tonight, the Islanders and Devils get set to return to the ice. The Devils will be in Philadelphia for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Flyers, and the Isles will be spending the night skating with the Hurricanes in Carolina. That puck will drop at 7.30 p.m. Let's go from the ice to the diamond now, where significant local baseball news dropped yesterday. Uh, right-hander Luis Severino and the New York Mets have agreed to a one-year $13 million contract. Sources did tell ESPN. Set in the longtime Yankee across town to Queens as off-season activity begins to heat up. This news really did uh, surprise me yesterday. Severino, 29, had spent all of his eight-year career with the Yankees, including a rough 2023 in which he posted a 6.65 ERA over 89 and a third innings. In his two fully healthy seasons, though, in pinstripes, 2017 and 2018, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, finishing third and ninth in Cy Young Award voting and throwing at least 190 innings each year. Uh, If you're a Yankees fan, you know Seve well, uh, and you did enjoy his time in pinstripes, despite those injuries. On the hardwood, no local action to get to from last night, but both the Knicks and the Nets will be back on the court tonight, both tipping off at 7.30. The Knicks will welcome in the Detroit Pistons while the Nets get set to host the Charlotte Hornets. And it is Thursday, which means a fresh week of NFL football gets underway tonight on Thursday Night Football. Week 13 kicks off in Dallas between the Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks at 8.15 p.m. Dallas is currently sitting pretty as nine and a half point favorites heading in. Other pertinent news to get here, uh, to get to here, I should say, regarding the Jets. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers moved one step closer to an improbable early comeback as he returned to practice yesterday on a limited basis, exactly 11 weeks after surgery to a uh, to repair that torn Achilles. Rodgers was cleared for, quote, functional football activity, but not contact, obviously, according to coach Robert Sala, who called this a, quote, progression in his rehab. Sala said it's too soon to say whether Rodgers will play again this season, in my most humble opinion. Keep that guy as far away from the field as you possibly can until uh, until next year, James. That's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. James Flippin filling in for Nolan Layden, and yeah, I would agree. The Aaron Rodgers thing seems a little too risky. WABC News Time 523 on the 5 a.m. News Hour here. So President Biden's campaign finds itself responding to a tweet or X message, I guess you call it these days, that some interpreted as him calling for an extended ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. As earlier this week, President Biden said on Twitter, Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they fear nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. He continued, this was Tuesday afternoon, to continue down the path of terror, violence, killing, and war is to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. Now, this kind of flies in the face of what Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said, which is that when the hostage exchange ends, the ceasefire will end, and Israel will continue its war against Hamas. Um, more or less, the you know Biden campaign finds itself kind of in a rock and a hard place because so many Democrats are split over the issue of Israel and Hamas. The president, Biden, also raised plenty of eyebrows yesterday while touring a wind power plant in Colorado. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick Weaver. Now, look, my my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That doesn't. This is not nuclear weapons, is it? All right, okay. Yeah, so again, if you can't hear it that well, Biden says, well, you know, my Marine has the code to blow up the world. And he's standing by this huge metal drum that I guess is part of the wind power plant. 
And he says, but but this isn't a nuclear weapon, right? Now, look, you can tell he's joking. It's not really funny, given what's going on in the world right now as a whole. But you hear kind of the awkward laugh from one of the workers he's there with. And the the bigger point is this. And right below the tweet where I got the audio from, people are kind of saying this kind of thing. Imagine the outrage, the horror, the pearl clutching if former President Trump said anything even close to that. Oh, you know, my Marine has the codes to blow up the world. My Marine? What does that mean? My Marine. And God forbid the Marine, whoever, you know, had the nuclear football was ever black because that image would have been blasted on the front page of the New York Times and Washington Post one day later. Trump calls Marine of color his Marine. And then there's the prerequisite, you know, kind of gasping and teeth gnashing, implying Trump had threatened nuclear war there or something. So it is worth calling out the double standard, even though Biden was clearly joking. Just the way the legacy media responds to that kind of stuff, it is worth pointing out. Back here in the city, crews are working on repairs after a large water main break. This in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. Several homes left without water yesterday as a result on Baltic Street at Clinton and Henry. FDNY got the call around 4. DEP had the water shut off for further work by 6. At one point, Con Ed responded as well. And reports say a small sinkhole developed. 20 homes didn't have water as a result, but nobody was hurt. And we told you about the MTA and congestion pricing this morning. The full details of the plan are supposed to be due out later today, but it looks like it'll cost you 15 bucks to drive south of 60th Street in Manhattan soon, maybe as soon as this coming spring. But a further heads up to all motorists in the listening audience, thousands of New Yorkers could soon lose their driver's license if they don't submit a vision test as anyone who had their license expire and renewed it online between March 1st, 2020 and August 31st, 2021. Think back on when you renewed your license. Was it during that time, kind of the you know late part of uh, 2020 and summer of 2021? You must submit proof of an in-person vision test by Friday. And this follows a pandemic rule that allowed people to self-certify their vision requirement online. But that's no longer okay. DMV officials say about 50,000 drivers have yet to submit vision tests after putting forth that self-certification. you got to get the real thing going here. Some controversy was generated last night, to say the least, as Elon Musk spoke his mind at the New York Times Dealbook Summit. And this stems back to some tweets Musk had promoted or otherwise verbally endorsed on the platform formerly known as Twitter, X, which Musk owns and has a hand in running. He's the chief technology officer of that social media platform. And one of the messages on social media that Musk endorsed talked about the Israel-Hamas conflict. And he more or less said that some leftist Jewish people, more progressive individuals, have been okay at times and maybe supported things like critical race theory. Or the idea that, you know, white people have some things to answer for in terms of racial relations, equality, societal progress, you know, the left's uh, stuff there. And Musk more or less said, yeah, that's right. Somebody who was tweeting about that. Well, those posts led to companies like Disney, Apple, and others to pull ad campaigns from X. And that led to some uh, outspoken moments from Musk yesterday at that Dealbook Summit here in New York. We'll get that audio to you in just a second. You're not going to want to miss it. WABC News Time 529. The judge in Elon Musk's lawsuit against Media Matters, I should say, is recusing himself from the case. New court documents revealed Judge Mark Pittman stepping away and asked the judge 
asked the case to be assigned to a different judge. Pittman did not give a reason for the recusal. Musk is suing the media watchdog organization Media Matters for defamation, alleging they defamed his social media platform, X. And when we come back, we'll hear from a very salty Elon Musk as he's got a defiant message for companies that are pulling ad campaigns from X. And I'll say this much. We had to heavily edit the audio, so you're going to want to hear it. WABC News Time 530, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. The 77 WABC News Hour. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Thursday, November 30th. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three day weather forecast. Mostly clear this morning. It's cold with wind chill values around 25 to 30 degrees and looks like it'll be about as windy today as it was yesterday, but warmer later and sunny, getting up to 48 degrees. Overnight into Friday, mostly clear, 40 the low. Tomorrow, Friday, rain likely in the afternoon, 50 the high, a 40% chance of rain on Saturday, topping out at 54. 33 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 28 in Dover, New Jersey, 31 in Dix Hills on Long Island, and that is the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So at the New York Times Deal Book Summit yesterday, amid big companies pulling their ad campaigns from social media platform X, we're talking Apple, Disney, others, Elon Musk responded to the New York Times interviewer Andrew Ross Sorkin while sitting on stage in front of a crowd. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go yourself. But go yourself. Is that clear? Uh, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. And Bob at the end there, seemingly Disney CEO Bob Iger. And we edited it so we don't get fined by the FCC, or at least so uh, wrong way Lou Rufino doesn't have to jump for the dump button. But he did say the real thing. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word, the big one, the queen mother of dirty words, the F-dash-dash-dash word. What did you say? That, of course, was Ralphie about to get in big trouble after he spilled the lug nuts in the 1983 classic A Christmas Story. And it felt right to play that, not just the time of year, but you heard his dad at the air, uh, dad at the end saying, what did you just say? And I thought the funniest part of the interview clip with Musk was the way uh, Sorkin responded. You don't want them to advertise? No. If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go yourself. But. The but. But. (laughs) It's almost like his brain couldn't compute both the fact that Musk had dropped the F-bomb like that and what he was saying about not caring about the money and such. But Musk wasn't done later saying. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. So, look, X is a private company now. I'm sure um, Tesla shareholders might have some feelings about this kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see what that stock's share price does in today's trading session. But Musk, one of the richest guys in the world, he seemingly uh, is going to you know, say what he thinks, and he feels a certain type of way when it comes to the principles of handling X and 
things like free speech and all that. So very unlikely he's going to stop being himself in this fashion anytime soon. New York's senior senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, says as the highest-ranking Jewish lawmaker in the nation, he needs to speak out against the rising tide of anti-Semitism. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is sounding the alarm on the rise of anti-Semitism following Hamas's initial attack against Israel. He says many pro-Palestinian groups marching in the U.S. do not have evil intent, but use alarming messaging that concerns the Jewish community. When we see protesters at Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade compare the genocide of the Holocaust equivalently to the Israeli army's action to defeat Hamas in self-defense of their people, we are shocked. When Jewish people hear chants like from the river to the sea, a founding slogan of Hamas. We are alarmed. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And sticking with congressional matters here for a moment, House Republicans are ramping up their impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer of Kentucky told reporters that Several committees will interview members of the Biden family and their associates over the next few months. Joe Biden has repeatedly lied to the American people about his family's corrupt influence peddling schemes. Our investigation has revealed how Joe Biden knew of, participated in, and benefited from his family cashing in on the Biden name around the world. First, President Biden told the American people he never spoke to his son about his family's business dealings. That was a lie. President Biden spoke by phone, attended dinners, had coffee with his son's foreign business associates. And Biden has denied the allegations in the past. Like you heard from Comer, he said he never discussed his son's business dealings. But I do think the White House has kind of changed that position and now said he's never profited off his son's business dealings. So we'll stay tuned on all of that. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. So some news to tell you about that you may not have seen concerning the Jack Smith investigation into former President Trump and January 6th and alleged election interference. This is from The Federalist, and I'm paraphrasing and partially reading here, but other outlets have been reporting on this, too. Special Counsel Jack Smith, in hunting for information on former President Trump's Twitter account or X account, was looking into you know various things like drafts Trump may have written for potential tweets, direct messages that were sent, you know, things that were considered kind of private information that Smith, through his prosecutorial power, was asking of Twitter. And Twitter was kind of in a back and forth with him at some point saying, you know, we don't want to give you some of this information. It's violating free speech rights. It's, you know, our First Amendment rights to communicate with Trump and all this kind of stuff. And there was a whole court case surrounding that and how much information Smith would be allowed to get from X. But what's broke this week, which is really pretty interesting is that the warrant that had been put forth by Smith apparently demanded information such as, like we said, Trump's search history, direct messages, but also all content of tweets created, drafted, favorited, liked, or retweeted by his account. And apparently it was looking for information from X as to users who liked or retweeted Trump's posts. So in other words, just random people who might be retweeting his messages or favoriting his messages, their information was being looked for as part of this case. So no surprise that, you know, privacy advocates are kind of up in arms about that type of thing. And it doesn't appear that any of those social media users were alerted to the fact that their information may have been included in a warrant like that. Meanwhile, it looks like New York Republican Rep. George Santos will face a potential expulsion vote on Friday, a resolution introduced earlier this week 
to that effect by Representative Robert Garcia has a deadline of today, but House Speaker Mike Johnson can extend it. Johnson admitting yesterday he has real reservations about expelling Santos from Congress. Speaking with reporters, the Speaker said he's concerned about the precedent that kicking out Santos would set, given the rep has not been convicted of a crime. We're going to allow people to vote their conscience. I think it's the only appropriate thing we can do. I personally have real reservations about doing this. I'm, I'm concerned about a precedent that may be set for that. Um, so we're, everybody's working through that, and we'll see how they vote. You know, the vote, which, uh, when it takes place this week, looks like Friday will be the third expulsion vote Santos has faced. The congressman accused of breaking campaign finance laws and lying during his campaign. And he's now facing 23 criminal charges. Our news director, Noam Layden, especially fond of noting how outrageous it is that, allegedly, Santos used campaign funds to pay for porn for an OnlyFans subscription. A second New Jersey healthcare system is now the victim of a ransomware attack. Trenton Capital Health operates hospitals in Trenton and Hopewell and reported a network outage this week that they believe is part of a cyber attack. And it comes just days after the Hackensack Meridian Medical System reported a similar outage. Officials say they expected the effects of the outage to last for several days as they work to restore systems. In a statement, the company said Capital Health's ERs remain open. And that's something that Hackensack Meridian Medical System couldn't keep going. They had to close their ERs, at least for a time. And there have been changes made within Capital Health's system to elective surgeries and procedure schedules. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, staying in New Jersey, Rutgers University police have a puzzle to solve involving a python. they like to know what a snake was doing inside a dorm room. A call came in on Tuesday about a baby python that was bedding down in Voorhees Hall on the Cook campus, and that unwelcome guest was removed and turned over to New Brunswick Animal Control. The university reminding students never to release unwanted animals on the campus, and you do need special permission to live with a support animal in a dorm. Although I certainly hope you can't classify a boa constrictor as a support animal. New York City Mayor Eric Adams' administration is touting the success of the mayor's controversial plan that forces people experiencing severe mental illnesses off the streets. This is a year after the plan went into effect, and the mayor says 54 of the 100 hardest-to-treat individuals have been placed into housing or they're in hospitals getting treatment. 54 of them were given time, and they received the help that they needed. And now they have a roof over their head and are stabilizing their lives. People who might have been written off, forgotten, or would have been participating in some form of dangerous encounter, as we witnessed. Yeah, but critics of the mayor's program says uh, say it involuntarily hospitalizes homeless people. They say it puts too much emphasis on hospital care and only focuses on a small number of the homeless, which is sort of a fair criticism, but given it is a mental health plan and not a homeless plan, That last part might fall a little bit flat. Suicide deaths are at a record high. According to the CDC, more people died by suicide in 2022 than any other year on record since at least 1941. The newest data shows improvement in rates among children and teens, but rates for all the other age groups went up. Nearly 50,000 lives in total lost due to suicide in 2022. Men were apparently about four times more likely than to die in that fashion by intentional self-harm than women, with the highest rates among senior men. WABC News Time is 5.45.
going to check in now with Justin Ellick, the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning, and get the latest from the world of sports. Thank you, James. Football start here on the ice at the Garden. Jimmy B.C. scored the tie-breaking goal late in the third period to cap off a Rangers rally that beat the uh, Detroit Red Wings 3-2. to two. Keandre Miller, he had a goal and an assist. Artemi Panarin also scored, and Alexi Lafreniere had two assists for New York, who uh, scored twice in the third period to avoid losing consecutive games. For the first time this season, tender Igor Shosturkin finished with 26 saves, and the Rangers improved to 16-4-1 and with the victory. Tops in the NHL in wins and points with 33. Tonight, the Islanders and Devils get set to return to the ice. The Devils will be in Philadelphia for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Flyers, and the Isles will be spending the night skating with the Hurricanes in Carolina. That puck will drop at 7.30. Let's go from the ice to the diamond now, where significant local baseball news dropped last night. Right-hander Luis Severino and the New York Mets have agreed to a one-year, $13 million contract. Sources did tell ESPN, sending a longtime Yankee across town to Queens as off-season activity begins to heat up around the MLB. Severino, 29, had spent all of his eight-year career with the Yankees, including a rough 2023 in which he posted a 6.65 ERA over 89 and a third innings. But in his two fully healthy seasons in pinstripes, 2017 and 2018, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, finishing third and ninth in Cy Young Award voting and throwing at least 190 innings each year. It was time well spent for Seve in pinstripes. On the hardwood, no local action to get to from last night for both the Knicks and Nets. We'll be back on the court tonight, both tipping off at 7.30. The Knicks will welcome in the Detroit Pistons, and the Nets get set to host the Charlotte Hornets. And it is Thursday, which means a fresh week of NFL football gets underway tonight. On Thursday Night Football, Week 13 kicks off in Dallas between the Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks at 8.15. Dallas is currently sitting pretty as 9.5-point favorites heading in. Other pertinent news to get to here regarding the Jets. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers moved one step closer to an improbable early comeback as he returned to practice yesterday on a limited basis, exactly 11 weeks after surgery to repair. That torn Achilles, Rodgers was cleared for, quote, functional football activity but not contact, according to Coach Robert Sala, who uh, called this progression a, quote, progress in his rehab. Sala said it's too soon to say whether Rodgers will play again this season. Uh, in my opinion, you stay away from that. That's Sports James, and I'm uh, Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Thank you, Justin. Noam Layden has the morning off. James Flippin filling in for Noam here on Thursday, November 30th. So Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor and Republican candidate for president, her campaign just got a financial shot in the arm. Former South Carolina governor and GOP contender Nikki Haley received the endorsement of the influential super PAC, Americans for Prosperity, which is funded by billionaires Charles and David Koch. AFP has pledged $70 million to Haley as they believe the former South Carolina governor has what it takes to defeat Donald Trump. Haley expressed gratitude at the endorsement, saying that she is honored by the group's support and its millions of grassroots members all across the country. Governor Ron DeSantis' team immediately sent out a memo blasting the endorsement. I'm Thomas Cage. Well, this bird found itself very far from home. A rare goose captured in Los Angeles, 6,000 miles away from its natural habitat. Wildlife officials say the tundra bean goose was hanging around a park on L.A.'s south side. It's native to Siberia. The goose was transported to a wildlife care center where doctors discovered it had been shot with a BB. It was treated for a healed bone fracture, or I guess it had a healed bone fracture. Pretty rare to see these goose species venturing into the lower 48 states. There have only been a dozen recorded sightings. And the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season has come to a close, finishing up what the National 
Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration called an above-normal season. The 20-named storms ranks as the fourth highest since 1950. Seven storms were hurricanes and three were Category 3 or higher. According to NOAA, an average season has 14 named storms, seven hurricanes and three major hurricanes. Hurricane Edalia was the only U.S. landfalling hurricane hitting as a Category 3 storm on August 30th in Florida's Big Bend region. I'm Rick Hoshul. A book on the British royal family has been pulled from the shelves after reports that it accidentally revealed the identity of the family member who allegedly questioned what skin color Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's baby would be. But I think as of last night, Piers Morgan put out a report suggesting that it was actually King Charles and maybe Kate Middleton, uh, Princess Kate Middleton, I guess it is, who had this, you know, I guess, conversation about the baby's potential skin color. A statement from the Dutch publisher of the book said it was temporarily withdrawing the book, Omid Scobie's Endgame. PA Media reporting a translation error unveiled the family member's identity. The Duchess of Sussex told Oprah Winfrey in a 2021 interview that, according to Prince Harry, there were concerns and conversations about how dark Archie's skin would be when he was born. Well, it might look like a nutcracker. But it opens your beer. That's the best way to describe Miller Lite's new beer cracker. The company is offering the limited-time bottle opener slash decoration for the holiday season. The traditional nutcracker has been replaced with a mouth that opens beer bottles and a removable hat that opens beer cans. There's even a small gift-wrapped box of Miller Lite at the beer cracker's feet. You can get them at Miller Lite's online store today, tomorrow, and Friday only. I'm Mark Mayfield. By the way, while we're on the subject of Christmas, sort of, Do you ever wonder what happens to those letters that kids write to Santa when they're put in the mailbox? Well, the post office has begun collecting them and reading the heartwarming stories. One that I read yesterday, he's asking for help to keep their home because their mom is going to eviction court. That's Becky Hernandez with the post office in Texas. She says all these letters go to a main collection point called Operation Santa. And Hernandez says often the letters ask for toys, but also, yeah, help for the parents. They're very touching. Children are just such beautiful souls, and they care about their whole families. The letters are put online where strangers can actually fulfill those wishes. Hernandez explains. When it arrives at the post office, it's directed to a special bin. We put them into a system where it's people across the country can adopt those letters. All that information is available on the U.S. Post Office's website. New Jersey's humorous holiday traffic signs are being resurrected for the season. In the past, these electronic signs said things like, only Rudolph should be lit, drive high, get DWI. And that certainly caught drivers' attention, but it also caught the attention of the Federal Highway Administration as the FHA called those signs too distracting and ordered them taken down last year. But now they're up again. The message is toned down a bit. One sign says, reckless drivers are worse than fruitcake. While another says, Santa's watching, put down the phone. And the New Jersey Department of Transportation says it hopes those changes will fly. Along the Jersey Shore, mysterious balls of tar have been spotted on some beaches, which is puzzling marine scientists. They were discovered on beaches in Long Branch and Monmouth, and they're apparently smaller than a golf ball. Anyone encountering them warned, don't touch them. They're asked to alert authorities. The tar balls often happen as a result of crude oil floating on the ocean surface, which then gets broken up by the waves, and they wash up as little spheres of oil. And the NOAA explains that can typically be caused by an oil spill. But Coast Guard Atlantic City 
has surveyed the area looking for oil spills and says they don't observe any. The holidays are a joyous time of year, but joy can suddenly turn into tragedy if you're not careful. And we've got more now on how to make sure your holiday is a safe one. Authorities are talking holiday safety on Long Island. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman is asking residents to use common sense to prevent fires at home this holiday season. Menorahs are being left uh, lit overnight. Extinguish any uh, lit candles before you go to bed. Make sure that your Christmas tree is hydrated, that the lights are from a reputable company. Members of the Nassau County Fire Academy and Beth Page conducted a live controlled residential Christmas tree fire to show how quickly a home can go up in flames. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Global investments using what are sometimes known as woke environmental, social, and governance standards, ESG, led to trillions of dollars in losses over a two-year span. And that's according to a recent report. The biannual assessment by the Global Sustainable Investment Alliance showed the absolute value of reported sustainable investing in ESG assets, such as those addressing social justice, climate change, biodiversity, nature loss, things like that. Those total investments dropped from $35.3 trillion in 2020 to $30.3 trillion in 2022. That's a 14% decline. J.P. Morgan Chase warns inflation could rise more and that a recession is still possible. CEO Jamie Dimon said that at the New York Times Dealbook Summit in New York and commented that interest rates could continue to go up. And it's kind of interesting because recently it seems like the market's been betting that the Fed is done hiking rates, at least uh, here in 23, and that maybe there could actually be some rate reductions in 2024. But Dimon notes that governments across the world needing more money for their militaries and to address energy crisis will contribute to inflation, in his opinion. And he added that while the U.S. labor market has been stable, inflation is hurting people. And checking in on Wall Street this morning, we've got jobless claims due today, also the PCE index for October, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, October's pending home sales due today as well. And the stock market did close in positive territory yesterday with the Dow up 168 points. WABC Time Check is 559 right now, sponsored by Bulova Watches. And those Bulova Watches, you can check out those finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. We already told you this morning to keep an eye out for congestion pricing details due out today. It looks like 15 bucks will be the expected fee to drive south of 60th Street in Manhattan. How about some good news when it comes to your wallet and driving? Gasoline prices have dropped for 61 consecutive days across the U.S. The average price for a gallon of regular gas stood at $3.25 on Wednesday, and that's according to AAA, down 5 cents from a week ago and 26 cents from a month ago. Oil prices continued to tumble last week after OPEC had postponed a meeting until November 30th without providing a reason. The delay was viewed as a sign of potential disagreement within that producer group as to what to do next in terms of output. All right, wrapping up this morning, seven people are in custody following protests at that tree lighting yesterday, pro-Palestinian protests, all lit up for the 91st time in history. Henry Kissinger, dead at the age of 100. The Israel-Hamas ceasefire has been extended one day. Talks continue to maybe extend it further. And Elon Musk is telling advertisers to go F themselves. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC News Hour.